You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And this is Real Presence Live. Steve Splinskowski here along with Tom O'Keefe. And we're having a great conversation this morning. So, folks, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Many of you probably know that uh, Tom and myself, we are both candidates now, as of uh, a couple weekends ago, uh, studying for the diaconate for the Diocese of Fargo. And uh, uh, we've been uh, studying for two years, entering into our third year. What would you say about your first two years, Tom? Uh, Very humbling. Uh, It was just a, a transition from just acceptance uh, that, that this was my calling and God wanted me to be here uh, away from the something that I, I, I earned myself and, and that, I, that I belonged and just so accepting of, of the grace of God uh, to, to have me in this position to serve him. Yeah, and for myself, it's kind of been a thing of where the Lord is saying, this is something I'm doing. This is something I'm doing. This is not something you're doing, Steve. So as far as like trying to have a plan and trying to figure this out and trying to do, you know, do this well, this is you're not doing this. I am doing this. So just let me do this, and kind of that you just show up, and I'll do everything. We talked earlier in the session on the men's ministry about our disordered uh, need to rank each other, and uh, you get into this group of eight incredible men, and you used to kind of start to rank each other and start to believe that maybe you don't belong. But after two years, you just see the beauty that each of these men and their wives have, and the gift that each of them them have to to give to you, to teach you, to to share with you, to, to support you as you go through this journey together. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And some of the conversations we've had in the classes we were talking earlier, where you're just like, it's amazing what I can learn from other men who I might have at some point in my life looked at them without knowing, saying, oh, there's nothing I could learn from them, which would be a stupid statement no matter what. And I make those statements but uh, and go to confession later. But it's that kind of that thing of like, gosh, I am learning something from every one of my brothers in this room, and we're completely different backgrounds. Um, and on that point, we have a deacon, Ken Vadova, with us, who uh, is a, 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 he's an ordained. He's made it all the way through. We're, only, we're still journeying through the, uh, the valley of death. No, just the, through the valley of studies and uh, towards that diaconate. But uh, deacon Ken Vadova, good morning. How are you this morning? Good morning. Thank you for allowing me to visit with you this morning. Yeah, no, we're excited to have you on with us. And you're, you're in uh, Jamestown, is that correct? Or north of Jamestown? Yeah. Yes, in Jamestown. Okay. Member very- of... Uh, All right, excellent. And you've been an ordained deacon for how long? 11 years. 11 years. So can you take us back to your your journey, um, the call where you first thought the Lord said, well, I want you to look at this diaconate thing. What did that look like? Well, people ask that often, and and I always have to come back and say it's it's kind of like a semi-truck. You put a lot of boxes inside, or the Lord does, and you don't really know what he's doing for you until all of a sudden it's there. Diaconate um, the is still new to the church. You know, it didn't come in until 1964 when uh, Vatican uh, II said uh, we're going to reinstate the diaconate. So for most of my life, I had no clue what a deacon was or what the diaconate was. But then God started started throwing people into my life, like Deacon Tom Jeffrey and his wife Mary, and Deacon Jim McAllister and his wife Bev, and Deacon Stu Wonkin and his wife Cindy, and we came to know and see these people being deacons, and then they started planting seeds, and there was a little talk about it, and Father Finio came to Cooperstown, 
and he started talking about it. And there's this St. Andrews dinner they had in Jamestown uh, at the KC's. And I guess Father Finio was kind of like the starter on the truck. He turned the key, says, what are you waiting for? And uh, Tammy and I, my wife Tammy and I, went to this meeting. We came back and we signed the application and we were on our way. And, and, and at that point, it was basically, you said, like you said, when you started your, our conversation today, learning now. We were teaching CCD classes and we wanted to know more. And we thought that going through this process, we would know more, learn more about what our Catholic faith is and what it means to be a Catholic. And uh, it, it began a journey for us. And uh, like you said, you persevere, you wonder which way you're going, why are you there? What's going on? I don't know, but uh, you, you just keep praying, you keep learning, you persevere, and all of a sudden, one day you're ordained. You know, it makes me think of you. You'd mentioned kind of this is a, a, the diaconate is a new thing for the church in 1965, but it's actually it's a, a little more deeper than that. It's it's a it's a renewal of the church, kind of like we're going through this Eucharistic revival. Uh, the Eucharist isn't anything new; it's a revival of the faith. But if we go back uh, early, early church, the first martyr. The first martyr Stephen. for Christ was Stephen, who was a deacon, um, and and the, yep. the early deacons. It was there's much much in the gospel, and if you look at what I'm blown away by is how many of the saints I thought were probably priests were actually deacons. You know, Saint yeah. Saint Francis Assisi, a deacon. He was he was never a priest. Uh, many many you go back and look through the history uh, of the church, uh, and then yeah, and and then kind of in the. Um, I don't know, the mid, mid 1415, you know, kind of, it dropped off, 1500s, uh, the diaconate dropped off, and then now 1962 coming back. It's kind of like a revival in the church, and and often, and you mentioned that too, that it's kind of a new thing, and that's, even in our studies, they're like, well, the church doesn't quite know what to do with deacons yet, we're still trying to figure that out, and that's exciting to me, I I think that's an exciting thing, because it, it kind of smacks of something the Lord's doing. I don't know quite what he's doing, that sounds like something the Lord's doing. Yeah, and the opportunities yeah. for ministry are so broad uh, in, in the diaconate and, and, and evolving, even as, as we grow. And it's interesting, even in the deacon community, the deacons are trying to figure out where they fit in, too, and what exactly is their call to service. You know, the, uh, is it uh, jail ministry? Is it uh, feeding of the poor with uh, St. Vincent de Paul or daily bread? Is it a chaplain at a nursing home? Is it spiritual direction? And it, it takes so many different directions, depending on, depending on the talents of the individual deacon and his wife so many times, because they work as a team yeah, it's in a, so many efforts. Yeah, it's a great reminder. And I think you mentioned earlier that you know, uh, uh, Father Finio had, uh, it was kind of the invitation. We talked earlier about how important that invitation is not a general invitation, but a very particular invitation where we, where we are invited by somebody or we invite somebody into doing a work um, that you, you have that invitation by Father Finio saying, okay, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Uh, you should step up and do this. How do we, uh, how have you seen uh, in your ministry as a deacon over these 11 years, uh, is there an opportunity that you've had where you could invite others into a, this relationship with Christ or even into ministry? I think, yeah. <laughs> I think most of the deacons wind up coming to the point where they see particular men and their wives and that family uh, 
beings, probably potential for members of the diaconate. Uh, or so, so you basically start planting the seeds and uh, encourage them and and ask them to consider it at some point in their life. So yeah, there. Um, of course, we have Father uh, Pfeiffer here now too, so he's good at encouraging people towards that end too. But uh, vocations, we encourage vocations for the priesthood. We encourage vocations for the diaconate also. The word. Uh, deacon comes from the Greek word diakonia, which means servant. Uh, it's a mission. It's a it's a mission of service. And as early in early in the church, um, it was about uh, taking care of the widows. Uh, oftentimes, people talk about doing the dishes. You know, the, the cleaning up. It is. It's a work of service. Um, and and uh, Deacon Ken Vadova, what what are some of the areas that you've seen um, and and been allowed and and uh, I guess been honored to serve the church? What are some of those services that you've been able to be part of? Well, I, I think when you serve the church, you're serving the people. The body of the church is, is the people. And I think God wound up helping me. I taught FFA and Agate and Finley Sharon for 35 years. And you talk about serving on the tables and that we, we have so many banquets and feeds that we served with our FFA and FFA alumni. And our a motto for FFA is learning to do, doing to learn, earning to live, living to serve. So for 35 years, I was living to serve the fourth line of our FFA motto, not realizing that one day I would be in the diaconate and serving the church. Uh, when, you, when you actually come into it, you're still serving the people. I, I'm The biggest way I serve I think, is here at the nursing home. Um, I, I come from a school where it's K through 12, and now I'm teaching older kids, working with older kids, sitting with, praying with, loving an older child of God, if you will. And it's really a beautiful gift. So it's evolved into going from a high school to a nursing home and still in a beautiful place serving his people in a different way. Do you find that the, the more you serve, the more you actually receive? <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> yeah. And that's why it's easy to hang on and stay. That's why it was easy to stay at the high school. I got so much more back from the kids than I gave them, and now it's the same way here at Abbey. Uh, I get back so much more than I give, so it's hard to walk away. Folks, you just joining us. We're taking, uh, we're talking with Deacon Ken Vadova. He's been a deacon for 11 years here in the Diocese of Fargo. And uh, we're talking to him on Real Presence Live here. And we're going to step away for a little bit of a break. But uh, we're going to continue our conversation about diaconal ministry, the ministry of service in the church. Uh, and, and if you're sitting out there thinking, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've maybe felt a call to serve in the church. And maybe, you don't, maybe it's not a call as a deacon, but it's a call just to serve in your local parish. A call to step forward. Maybe you have a charism. You know, actually, you do have a charism. Every one of us has a charism, which is a specific gift from the Holy Spirit that he has given us, not for ourselves, but to give back to the church, to build up the church in the world. What is your charism? What is the Lord asking you to give back to his church? Let's pray about that. On the other side of the break, we're going to continue this conversation. This is Real Presence Live.
Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision specializes in pediatric eye care and vision therapy. We partner with a national infant eye exam program called Infant C, which provides eye exams for any baby under 12 months old. Many of the major childhood eye problems, such as lazy eyes, eye turns, and ocular diseases, can be detected in this early intervention exam. Infant C eye exams can be scheduled online at www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud supporter of babies everywhere and a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. Have you ever wondered if your family's past struggles have affected you personally? I'm Father Chris Alar. You and your ancestors are all part of the body of Christ, so you should desire healing for them for the consequence of their past sins. Evidence suggests that these consequences can even be passed down through generations. While God does not hold you personally responsible for the sins of your ancestors, He does allow the effect of their deeds to reverberate from one generation to the next. The sins or sanctity of your family members may impact you. So learn how to break free from any sinful bonds in your life. There is hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost. And to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. For centuries, healthcare has been central to the healing ministry of the church. Today's technologies offer exciting possibilities, but also serious moral questions. More than ever, we need healthcare leaders who serve with integrity and conviction. The University of Mary answers the call to prepare leaders anchored in moral courage in a breathtaking range of programs from bioethics to nursing. Visit catholicprofessional.life. listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Top of the morning to you. This is Real Presence Live. Steve Sponskowski here along with Tom O'Keefe. And uh, we are talking about all things Catholic, all things Eucharistic. And uh, vi- visiting here with Deacon Ken Vadova been a deacon for the Diocese of Fargo for 11 years. Um, and just before, before the break, uh, Deacon, you were talking about how really uh, the work of, the, of diaconate is loving the people. Uh, talk to us a little bit more about that. Well, God, our Father, we hear so many times, says, I love you. And I had a interesting experience the other day. I was picking up some medications at... Uh, the grocery store here, or excuse me, at the, the pharmacy at the grocery store here in Jamestown, and I was in line. I, I, it was my turn. I was talking to the lady getting my prescription, and the lady behind me is on her cell phone, and she goes, all right, I love you. And I turned around. I just, I just was on my heart. I turned around, and I said, but I don't even know you. <laughs> and the lady that was telling me the prescription, she giggles and she goes, good one. And the lady with the phone, she's pointing at her phone. She was speechless. She didn't know what to say. And uh, we were the next day on the way to Curcio, and I was visiting with Gary Bosch, and I was, I was going, I've got to figure out, and tell me, i got to figure out a way how to use that in a homily. 
and it's it just been on my heart all weekend. God, our Father, says, I love you. Jesus, when he was on the cross, said, I love you this much. And I kept thinking, do I want to turn around and say, but I don't even know you, to Jesus or to God, my Father. And he tells me in the morning, when we wake up, sun rises, I love you. He tells me in the evening, he loves me. He tells us every minute of the day, he loves us. Do we turn around and say, we love you too? Or do we turn around and say, but I don't even know you? And that's one thing about working in the school with kids or working at the nursing home here. I get to see God telling me he loves me every time I get a smile from one of the residents or get to pray with them or bring a smile. You know, it just, it's God moments. He's telling me he loves me. And I have to be ready to say, yes, I know you. I love you, too. Well, it sounds like you pretty much have your homily uh, figured out. Yeah. And that, that's, yeah, God, that's a perfect segue yeah. into the, the the Eucharistic revival. You talk about that turning around and saying, do, do, you, do you, God loves me and, and do I love him? One of the most powerful things for me as a as a deacon aspirant and now candidate was the opportunity to serve Mass. I didn't get to serve Mass as a young boy. And and now at 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 my age, just the opportunity to sit there and and kneel uh, at the altar as uh, the, the Eucharist is is being turned into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It just brings home that death, resurrection, and and beauty that uh, they talk about. If if so many people have said, if if we only knew what the gift that was there, you know, how could we how could we turn away? Uh, how does how does the Eucharistic revival, your experience with the Eucharist, uh, uh, Father Vadava? Or Deacon Vada, excuse me. Uh, yeah, I, I have to, you reminded me, uh, when I was in formation to be a deacon, I too had no idea when I went into the diaconate that I was going to be serving on the altar. I, I was going in to learn so that I could be a better CCD teacher. And uh, one Sunday afternoon when we were in formation, formation weekend, they said, okay, the ladies are going this way, the guys are going in, and uh, they're going to practice church and i go what what are we going to do uh they're going to practice serving on the altar i go serving what why because we're going to be on the altar so we got our alts on and we're in there practicing and after a few sessions i was a server when i was in eighth grade uh, up to eighth grade when i was in grade school and i left father tomonic saying i'm going into high school now i'm a big boy i'm not going to serve anymore and he says fine <laughs> you know father tomonic in vestryville st luke's and all of a sudden, it dawned on me one day at, uh, when we were practicing, and I smiled to myself, and I go, Father Tomonic, I'm back. <laughs> so so I am on the altar. But uh, in regards to how special it is, um, at the consecration is when the deacons kneel. And there's so many miracles that happened when somebody, when the shadow of Jesus fell on somebody or somebody touched his cloak or his tassel. And uh, for me, it's a very special part of the Mass because as he's consecrating the body and the host, the bread and the wine into the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, that is Jesus standing there, and I'm kneeling next to him. And I think of people who are in need of prayer, and I have a tough time concentrating because I'm looking where his shadow is and 
checking if I'm kneeling within that shadow. I sometimes I tell Father Pfeiffer if you ever see, feel somebody tugging on your cloak, it's it's me, your deacon, because I'm praying for somebody for healing and I'm touching the cloak of Jesus. And uh, it is a very powerful place to be uh, on the altar there next to Jesus as he's consecrating the body and blood, soul and divinity, and giving it, making it ready for us to consume. Beautiful, beautiful gift. And that, for me, that's the most powerful part of the Mass, right there, being so close to Jesus at the consecration. That, that's awesome. That's a beautiful reflection, Deacon Vadova. Uh, of the the healing uh, of just being in Christ's shadow and and touching the the tassel of His cloak, uh, what what a great uh, what a great image. Um, I'm going to actually use that in prayer later. I think Tom and I are both like, whoa, we're going to go back to this one. I can't wait for Mass at five fifteen. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, uh, and then also of course at the elevation, the great Amen. Uh, you hold up the precious blood of Jesus. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Well, it's it's real powerful. In the sense that, you know, in some churches, uh, I think of uh, Valley City, that, that crucifix is right above the altar, and you just imagine the blood of Christ dripping into that cup, and then all of us, the body of Christ being nourished by His strength, by His body, His blood is coming into each and every one of us to strengthen our spirit, because... It's a tough world we're living in. It's an angry world we're living in. And to be able to bring the peace and the love and the joy of Christ into our hearts to strengthen our spirit as we leave that church and go out for another week before we come back again, it's it's beautiful. It's just sometimes hard to fathom, I guess, understand. We're reading the book Wellspring of uh, by Dr. John or John Carbone, I believe, and he talks yep. about the connection between the liturgy and the Eucharist and, and the week, and and he just made a great connection there that uh, we we should take that Eucharist, that body and blood, that soul and the video of Christ with us after we leave the Mass uh, to get us through that next week to to give us the graces we need and and give us the courage then to share it with other people. Amen. I'm reading uh, Pope John Paul II's encyclical on the Eucharist, and in one section there he talks about how at Mass. It's a tearing open of eternity. So we enter into the Mass. The Mass makes present to us Christ's sacrifice on the cross, which, of course, his sacrifice um, is timeless. Right? God's outside of time, so his sacrifice is timeless. And so the Mass tears open for us a window into eternity at that moment. And was, I was reading that, and then I went to Mass. I'm like, oh my goodness, this was, <laughs> this was a, a powerful Mass to think. I'm... I'm getting a glimpse, and I, I like that's like the tearing open uh, of of a, a glimpse into to eternity. Uh, just a, a great reminder that every time we enter into Mass, it's an opportunity to to see uh, the heavenly kingdom before us. Uh, that uh, sacrifice of Christ, which made it possible for us uh, to return to that heavenly paradise, which was lost to us by our parents um, through the fall. Um, and original sin, and Christ restores that to us. And uh, so it's just, there's so much to reflect upon. You know, I was uh, looking at uh, the list here, and you're also, uh, Deacon Vada, in charge of uh, the ongoing uh, continuing education for deacons. Uh, so, the, so the deacons uh, continue their education. Is that on a, how often do they get together for the continuing education? 
you, you were talking about learning and praying uh, with your and with our wives always because uh, but uh, there's post ordination formation also here uh, so many times even us we we didn't understand when we were in formation that once we got got ordained there's continuing formation we don't know it all so many things. Uh, change uh, the priests we serve under, some of us, the locations we serve in, uh, the types of service we do. Uh, different deacons have different types of service. I think uh, uh, Deacon uh, from Devil's Lake, Deacon Ken Severinsen, just shared about being a spiritual director with uh, the new deacons, the newly ordained, uh, about a week, just after your uh, candidacy uh, ceremonies, but uh, there's so much to learn. We don't know it all. We'll never know it all, so that that continuing formation has to keep going. We we have a spiritual retreat coming up in September with Father Sotner, and uh, we have uh, two more sessions, one in a Saturday in January and a Saturday in March, and we try to line up speakers on different topics whether it be works of mercy or uh, scripture, uh, evangelization, uh, the Eucharist. You're coming to visit with us on the Eucharist in a couple weeks. Uh, that ongoing formation has to happen. And I work with Father Kinsler and Deacon Joe Leitner, and Stu Longton's been helping us along, Deacon, uh, to try and form, make, form those weekends, come up with the agendas and speakers so that we can continue our formation as we move along as deacons and wives, their wives. Yeah, I guess I mentioned, I mentioned the wives all the time because uh, they are such a big part of who we are and our ministry, and they're with you in formation, and they're with us as we continue to serve, and uh, it's powerful. Yeah, it's a great reminder because yeah, I think that the journey has been awesome, and it has. Uh, I know our, our my my journey through the diaconate with my wife Jacinta has just strengthened our marriage like crazy. Mm-hmm. Agree completely. Yeah. Well, Deacon Ken Vadova, thank you so much for sharing this half hour with us. Uh, been a great conversation, and know of our prayers for you and your continued ministry, and uh, keep us in your prayers as well. Amen. You are. All right, folks, this is Real Presence Live, and uh, we're going to come back on the other side of the break and talk to Ashley. Nya, about uh, the, she's got an upcoming women's retreat on St. Therese of Lisieux, and uh, we're going to continue our conversation here of faith on Real Presence Live. Don't go anywhere. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 